Welcome one, welcome all. This is the Discovering Masculinity podcast. Very special episode coming to you today. Uh, this is the Virtue Pill panel or the uh, the Virtue panel. Uh, first of uh, many panel discussions I'm hoping to have on the podcast. But uh, uh, joining me today are three of uh, my my most favorite guests that I've had on the podcast. Um, they're all my favorites, but uh, these uh, uh, these three really stand out here. So joining me from uh, Rebirth Season Episode 2. Gosh, you were the second guest on the Rebirth Season. Well, that, joining me from uh, the beautiful Valley of the Sun, Mr. Will Spencer. You can find him on Instagram at Ren of Men. Uh, also joining me from the Rebirth Season, episode number 11, Mr. Mike Pantile, joining me from beautiful Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And then joining me from uh, the great state of Pennsylvania, very recent guest on the uh, the, sh- the show for the Virtue Pill season, uh, she is Sharon Ortiz. And it is the, it's the year of hurt feelings. It is the year of the Virtue Pill. So we are uh, jumping right into it here. And uh, so um, I'll just give you all just a couple of quick uh you know minute or so to uh to introduce yourself and and kind of uh how you got uh brought into this space while you started making some content and just kind of how we got hooked up so i will uh uh we'll turn it over to uh to will since it's been uh the longest uh since he's been on the podcast but will tell us a little bit about yourself and your platform mm. uh, let's say i started the renaissance of men in 2020 to document what i see as the global rebirth of masculinity um, it's something that I had found my way into in 2013, and really I'd been studying and learning about masculinity and, and, and consciously growing as a man for about 20 years at that point. And I found that uh, what I was participating in was much larger than I realized and much larger than anyone else really realized. And it continues to grow and it continues to expand, and now it involves uh, women like Sharon, a.k.a. Charisma. <laughs> uh, that, is, that is now said and uh there's a renaissance of women and a great reconciliation coming as well and maybe we'll get to talk about that on the show but i hope to host the renaissance of men podcast coming up on our 100th episode mr mike pantile is coming out this week and uh and i do 12-week mentorships for men men's groups and i've got some other things planned that uh, i'm working on so that's that's a little bit about me and what i do okay uh, Mike, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got involved into uh, to this space, the space of uh, masculinity, and and um, um, just I'll let you pick it up from there. So, unlike Will, I haven't really been involved in like direct men's work. Um, I guess indirectly, I would say I've owned a gym since 2016, off the back of like a hundred plus pound weight loss. Done some stuff in powerlifting and. I'm a product of a of the manosphere and the red pill. I discovered it uh, in 2014, probably about 50, 50 pounds into my weight loss and uh, thought I had discovered, um, I guess, water amidst the desert when really it was just more um, poison for the soul. So anyways, long story short, I moved here to Alberta about seven months ago and built a house for my family out here. And in the process of sort of stepping into my uh, my fatherhood, 
and you know you know be, becoming a better husband and of course uh, a stronger follower of Christ I felt compelled to get um, baptized in October of last year and that's what it coincided with this um, with this page um, and so I remember waking up the week of my baptism and saying to my to my wife I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this man page because I've been talking to men in my gym we've been having conversations like this but it's never really been public so and I remember running upstairs she took a picture and then that sort of I guess you know the rest was history um, I had a video that uh, actually Jack Donovan reposted funny enough and then uh, from there Ryan King reposted a bunch of my stuff and then from there it just kind of like it was just this tidal wave um, and I'm just incredibly honored to be among like all of you, John, Will, Sharon, and, and everybody else is still kind of trips me out some days, but that's how I got here. Very good. Awesome. Awesome. And then uh, Sharon Ortiz, she is um, um, very one of the most recent uh, guests I've had on the on the podcast, um, the fifth uh, woman that I've had on the podcast. So um, that's um, I told her, you know, in our episode, that's something she can tell her grandkids. But um, uh, Sharon, tell us, uh, tell the audience a little bit, uh, just a quick recap of, of who you are and how you got into this space online. Uh, so I'm <clears throat> I'm a mom and um, I like men and not a lot of people do um of the female persuasion and probably some of them just don't understand them or know about them like who they really are and i enjoy writing on instagram and now twitter uh about masculinity and its necessity in the world it's necessary and uh about femininity and what it really is and what it's not and how women don't have to be afraid of their femininity awesome Great, great. Well, it is wonderful and uh, fantastic to have you all on uh, on the same screen. Uh, the the beauty of Zoom, we can all kind of talk to each other all at the same time uh, in real time in different parts of the country. Um, you know, Sharon, shout out to our last podcast. It's kind of like stuff we see on Star Trek. So, um, <laughs> so uh, anywho, I don't know. It, We're it, starting it, early. We're starting. Yeah, early. yeah, starting early. Starting mm -hmm. early. Yeah, yeah. We had we made a few references to uh, to Star Trek in our a our few. episode here. We made more than a few a few yeah it's like a whole six minutes yeah 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 but uh i can't yeah. wait to hear it yeah oh my can... gosh it's so dorky <laughs> you get yeah you get us going on it and then and it's uh, well there was some profound stuff in there no too. there was there was yeah yeah but um so what what i want to start with is um I'm calling this. I'm, I'm Will. I'm, I'm borrowing this from you. Calling this season of the uh, Discovering Masculinity podcast the Virtue Pill season, and yes. um, I, I want to start with you and just kind of ask you. You know what? Um, if someone to, to ask you on the street, like, well, what's this whole virtue pill thing? What's what's going on with this in in this in this space here on the internet? What? How would you describe it? And uh, um, you know what? Um, how how would you kind of d describe it from there? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the thing with masculinity is, in truth, the notion of masculinity is amoral. So a masculine man who we would we would probably all identify as masculine can be um, can be the kind of guy that bails people out uh, after a flood, like we see from some, after hurricanes or goes into a burning building to, you know, to rescue people or a man that we would identify as masculine could rob a bank you know, could be, could have violent outbursts, you know, things like that, um, you know, could, uh, could be completely undirected in his energies and, and chaotic and out of control. 
So to talk about masculinity as a as just a new as just a neutral or a default good uh, thing, I think is not exactly true. Um, and though we all understand that word amongst ourselves as being as having a positive connotation, when you talk about masculinity out in the world, that word has all different sorts of connotations. Some of which are kind of mocking. Some of which are some of which are, are great. Some of which are bad. Some of which are what's that? Mm -hmm. Now, masculinity is also the sort of thing that really has only been talked about in the ways that we're talking about it for like since the founding really of the manosphere, 10, 15 years, like talking about masculinity is a very timely thing, meaning it's bound in this particular era because people don't know what it is and there's a race to define it. But virtue is timeless. It is absolutely unquestionably default positive. Like no one's going to say virtue is a bad thing. In fact, I don't even think the wokest of the woke would say virtues don't exist. Like they'd say gender don't exist. I, I think if someone said virtues don't exist, that would probably be a nonsensical statement. And really what I think we're all looking for as men and women is virtue. I think the reason why the guy gets the great body or one of the reasons certainly is because he wants to embody the virtue of masculine beauty. Maybe he wants to embody the virtue of discipline. Maybe he wants the, to embody the virtue of, of achievement. That's really what any aware man would want. And the thing with virtue is also that there isn't just one virtue or one small set. There's an entire constellation of them. And each man and woman naturally gravitates to a different specific set of virtues. Some men will be physically stronger. Some men will be physically, will be mentally smarter. Some men will be emotionally more sensitive. And our job as men is, I think that there's a core set of virtues. Maybe a better way to think of it is like a tree. There's the trunk of the tree where there are a few core virtues that we're all really looking for. Justice, the philosopher Cicero said justice is the princess and mistress of all virtues, stuff like that. But beyond that, each man can discover and cultivate his own collection of virtues and become the man he's made to be and not constantly be trying to make himself over into a man of the manosphere, like, oh, that guy's virtues. I want all of his virtues, but you're not him. Right. Even if it, and we can talk about whether or not they are who they say they are separately, but you're not him. There are virtues that you're made of, that you're made with, that you should gravitate to. And there's an entire constellation of them. You get to choose what those are. So talking about virtue as a concept is unassailable. You can't criticize it. It's positive every, and it calls to our hearts and everyone gets to find their own unique expression of it. So that's why I felt that it's time to start talking about virtue, because I think ultimately that's what we all want. And it's a timeless, uh, def defensible, unassailable place to stand in. So that's yeah. the virtue pill is realizing that. Okay. Although I didn't come up with the term virtue pill. That was another man named Mike Pantile. And so <laughs> yeah. next morning, the following day. Exactly. So yeah. I'll let him define the, the virtue pill because that's, that's why I shifted the conversation to virtue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mike, uh, you know, since uh, we, you know, we, you're getting some credit for the, uh, the virtue pill there. Um, do I, first off, uh, my, my first question, do I have to pay you any type of a fee for borrowing that for this season and naming this season? the? Virtue I was pill? thinking about that, man. I think we could talk about that after this podcast. No, okay. yeah, yeah, we'll have to <laughs> spread, just got to spread the good word. Man. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to hammer something out. Just, uh, just make yeah. sure you're not using daily wires legal team. Cause that'll screw me over. But, um, Oh, oh yeah. wow. Um, that's, 
that's a that's a topic for my next podcast on Mike because I have some thoughts on that. But anywho, um, uh, Mike, uh, yeah, pick it up from there. Uh, just just tell us a little bit about maybe some of the. Uh, you said you're. I, I want to kind of get your your idea on this too. I, I you and I kind of have a similar journey with this because it, it, actually it was funny as you were mentioning during your weight loss journey was right around the time that you had discovered some of this red pill content, uh, online. And, uh, that's right around the time that I discovered it too, was, uh, I've got my own weight loss journey that, that I've talked about, uh, before me too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. I did share it too. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so look at uh, all of us, half yeah. the people we used to be. Exactly. Quite, quite literally half of yeah. what I used to be. Yes. But, um, <laughs> I like to I like to brag that I have I lost a Backstreet Boy, but um, <laughs> I uh, but yeah, in all seriousness, um, yeah, I I, I I always like to to harp on to talk about it too when it comes up, just because it's it's something that I'm proud of and something that I, I hope inspires other people. But I uh, in September of 2018, I weighed 305 pounds, and um, whoa, in uh, uh, January of 2021, I weighed in at 195. So it took, uh, took a few years, but I dropped quite literally half of uh, a person. So, um, and I, well, I don't know if I sent you the, the before and after pics, but there was mm-hmm. a picture of me when I was at my heaviest, I was at a, I was actually, it was when I lived in Phoenix, I was actually at a minor league hockey game in Tucson and, and a picture of me and, uh, um, uh, holding up a puck because I caught it at uh, it flew over the glass and I caught it. Um, mm. But it's just me at my my heaviest wearing an extra large jersey and quite quite literally filling it out. So, um, but congratulations, uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. I'll uh, I'll share that with uh, with you when we get offline here. And actually, um, I've had my dietitian on the podcast before, so um, there's there's a few episodes where he and I talk about that, but. Um, um, Mike kind of back, hopping back over to, uh, to you about this, this, uh, the virtue pill and, and this virtue movement. Um, what, what are some of the core virtues that you, you think every man should, uh, should strive for or, or should be, be looking at in this type of, uh, uh, in this day and age, or, or if they're starting to discover, go on their own path, path, what is, uh, what does that look like in your opinion? Well- you know, as, as much as I, you know, don't agree with a lot of uh, Jack Donovan's philosophy, it's hard to ignore that the tactical virtues don't have a lot of, you know, uh, they hold a lot of weight, strength, courage, mastery, and honor for sure. That'd be undeniable. But I think even to piggyback on that, to add some stuff to that would be restraint mm-hmm. and responsibility. Because I, I think the tactical virtues are great, but I think they encompass too much of what it means just biologically to, uh, <laughs> to be a man. And they don't really encompass the noble parts of masculinity and so this is my issue with the red pill is that it's so centered around pure biological impulse right i understand hypergamy i understand you know these these certain you know dark triad traits that you know certain women are attracted to on a just like a fundamental biological basis like their primordial brain is attracted to those things but it, it seems to weaponize those human traits and we all know as as as, as christians that you know we're in a fallen state so we're weaponizing sin Right. And so when I think of true, you know, virtuous being the, you know, the virtue pilled guy, it's, it's Christ being the masculine ideal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like, you know, Will and I spoke about on the podcast and I kind of uh, spoke about that in my post yesterday is that there's not just one archetypal image. Like there's, there's Jesus Christ, which is at its core. And then downstream from that exists so many different versions of that, right. Where everybody's just trying to be, the jacked stoic tough guy that makes a lot of money like kind of andrew andrew tate type of guy 
but yeah. you know if you look you look at the story like the lord of the rings you know was was frodo and aragorn the same type of man no but i would say that they're equally masculine 100 percent. and we'll touch mm-hmm. on an amazing point is that there was nobility they all shared that same nobility and virtue at, at their core despite being drastically different in stature and mm-hmm. sort of this is what i think this whole movement is about is a return to not just tradition but to to christ-like ideals that's what built our civilization to begin with and now we're seeing the fallout of of what's happened as a result of the red pill and in, in also too which is really sad an extension of that or i guess a branch of that the black pill yeah where these guys who are traditionally handsome let's say maybe they're shorter they're statured they don't have you know they've got shorter uh narrower clavicles what have you you know they feel in a lot of ways quote-unquote physically inferior they feel like they have no place well <laughs> i think all men have a place if they're not willing to just if they're willing to just stop screeching from the mountaintops how much women are terrible and how how the world is terrible and instead taking actionable steps to change because um all men can become virtuous in some way, whether you're six foot 10 or, you know, five foot one. And so this is why, you know, when I saw Will post, you know, it's about virtue. I said, there's no greater word to define this movement. It's not just the father's fear. Shout out to Ryan King for, for, for coining that term. Mm-hmm. Man is fear, red pill, father's fear, virtue pill. So that's how I would uh, mm. define that. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, the the topic of uh, or the 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 subgroup of of incels kind of ca- came up while you were talking about and mentioning the the black pill guys, and I think that's so much of what we've lost in in society and and uh, even in the red pill movement is just it's so uh, it's so focused on uh, attainment and worldly worldly achievement rather than uh, being a you know that that Christ led man that uh, uh, that we we should ascribe and should should strive to be um and i just i just want to say too I, there's gonna i'm actually gonna do uh, a little bit of devil's advocate coming up here for red pill migtow some of that stuff here so uh, that uh, i've got that in, in my notes to talk about here so i'm i, I can see sharon smiling so um uh, but uh, but sharon uh, i, I want to toss it over to you here um talking about this uh this virtue movement here that we that we're talking about and just how does that relate to uh um uh, to women to women in, in this space how does it relate to what what are some of the things and feelings that come up for you when uh, when we talk about this uh, uh this virtue pill space well i find it really interesting that mike said uh one of the most important virtues was restraint and i remember a few years ago i was reading through the old testament and I noticed that one of the things that stuck out to me about God, as I was reading, you know, the story of how Israel failed many, many, many times, was how merciful God is, how much power he has, and how much he holds it back, even though we constantly fail him. And so I think that restraint is a Christ-like virtue. It is, uh, I mean, really and and so that's that's my first thought my second thought is that we uh the world needs masculine men and there's like will said there's no one picture of what that looks like except in christ Mm -hmm. um and women need it especially we need it um we've been left to fend for ourselves for a long time and to be fair it's our fault um but it's not great um and so we need that 
but I think what's great about virtue is that it applies to women too. And so women can be virtuous. And the Proverbs talk about the wayward woman and the righteous, virtuous woman a lot. And there's a huge difference between those two types of women. Um, and it's because there's aspects of our nature, kind of like there's aspects of the masculine man, right? That are physical and easy to spot, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are aspects of our nature that A, make us vulnerable in the world and B, make us able to manipulate. And those are the same aspects of us, right? Our mm -hmm. beauty and our size, um, those things that make us uh, attractive to men also make us vulnerable to them. And we can, uh, by choice or subconsciously or both because a uh, sinner is going to sin, uh, we can harm other people in an attempt to protect ourselves. And the goal is to use our gifts as women to serve others. And so femininity, virtuous, a virtuous woman is self-sacrificing. Um, it looks different than the way a man might self-sacrifice, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it doesn't always look like standing up and saying, here I am. Like Frodo was the one who stood up and said, I will go. I will take the ring. In a room full of all these macho men, right? With all their yeah. big, like Gimli with his, his axe, you know, you tried to like, and it was Frodo who said, I will take it. And all the men, there was silence. When, when that happened, right? They didn't know what to do. Um, and so it might look different than uh, we don't have to go and do and cut and break and destroy, um, which sometimes men have to do because good kills. Um, mm -hmm. But but it does look like serving and loving and um, using our uh, unique giftings that God has given us that are different completely from men um, to serve the people that we love. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Can yeah. I just jump off of that real quick, John? Please. Yeah. <clears throat> so the one I wanted, so that was all beautiful and brilliant. And I agree with all of it. And the, and the best part about virtue and the way that it shows up in men is that as you, as you noted, different kinds of men can be virtuous in different ways. Aragorn's collection of virtues is not Gandalf's collection of virtues is not Frodo's is not, you know, Theoden, you know, Theodred, all these different men, they're all virtuous in completely different ways in ways that are non-overlapping. And you see the ways that men who are not virtuous, the way that we can, they can reclaim their virtue like Boromir does in death, et cetera. But the thing is, the, the challenge with the men's space is that it's, it's held up this very narrow range of archetypes for women to admire as virtuous. Like, I don't know, Andrew Tate or whatever, Jack Donovan or whoever, right? Like, you know, like the, the playboy or the barbarian or the, you know, or the, or the, or the whatever, you know, pick mm -hmm. the, pick the caricature or the character, right? But the thing is, different kinds of women will be attracted to different kinds of men and yeah. if those men whoever they are can cultivate themselves to their maximum level of virtue they too can be eligible for dating quite successfully yeah. it's not like the guy who's the guy who's five foot two like well i'll never be six foot two so you know i'm screwed you know and that can be very black pilling you know and there are lots of other things that can be as well it's like no if you become the most virtuous version of yourself you will glow period and you will glow twice as bright surrounded by other men around you it's like and people will look at you and say there's something about you i can't put my finger on it it's because you know as a man that you have virtue and i think that's very attractive to women and i think women will then feel okay like well i don't like that guy but he's the guy that i'm being shown everywhere but you know the the diversity of men is so much greater than what we see in tv and movies this is real life and um this didn't used to be a thing but in our hyper mediated mediated age, it is, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be. 
So I, that's that's the one thing that I wanted to pull out of what Sharon said. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what's funny is I actually know a man that you just like you just described a friend of mine. He's like probably the same height as me, maybe one inch taller. I'm almost five four, mm -hmm. um, and he's certainly very fit. Like he takes good care of his body and he's beefy, um, but he's really short, right? But he is like the kindest, most gracious, most humble man I know. I mean, he's wildly talented, very successful, famous singer. Um, and he, like, when he gets in a room, the the tone of the room changes. Mm. Because he's so good and he's such an encourager that he's the most talented person in most of the rooms that he goes to. He's also the brightest. He's also the most knowledgeable about the word of God. And yet he spends his entire time lifting other people up. And women are, he's married now, but when he was single, I mean, women were constantly like he was having to create boundaries all the time hmm. yeah. because he glowed like you said and that's an interesting point because guys like that now you know these days for the most part don't have that kind of confidence so you know yeah. you know praise god for that the, the virtue that that guy has the, the issue is too is you know I, I said it in the post yesterday as well is that men let's say of that stature let's say have just been shamed into submission to mm. the point where they don't know what it means to be encouraged and when they are they don't believe it because they've just been beaten down and they're right. so demoralized that it's okay it's like okay tate keep telling me how much of a loser i am because this is just a narrative that's in my mind exactly and exactly right and the lens in which they see the world that's all the information that they're seeing mm -hmm. right and so they don't perceive themselves to have any kind of power they're powerless against their biology and how they were born and so, you know, we need more examples of the Frodo or of your friend, Sharon, where there's this person, because I know men like that as well, where, like I said, I met guys that are not of my stature, quote unquote, that are 10 times the man that I am. Just because I'm bigger, stronger or whatever, I have a deeper voice doesn't mean anything. That's right. not what makes a man. It's right. the measure and of character. Time, for a long time, yeah. he was the most masculine man that I knew. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And there's, there's a difference when uh, a man who's virtuous, you know, walks into a room and has that, has that commanding presence. Um, one, one of the, someone that, that I know, you know, all, has, has brought up the term uh, intimidating, like, you know, I, I, you know, to be a real masculine man, you've got to come into a room and, ha and, and kind of be intimidating. And, and I, I don't, I don't ascribe to that. I, I ascribe to, you, there's a difference between having a, a commanding presence and having, you know, having people drawn to you when you're, when you go into, into a room, much like what Sharon was saying about her friend now, but intimidation, I think that has kind of a negative connotation to it. Like, like people are scared of you and, and you can kind of bully and push your way around. And that's, um, I, I think the, the virtuous part of us wants to have that presence where people want to, to come and, and be a part of, of your world, part of your space. And, and they want to share that. And, and they, they leave your presence being uplifted or, or having been better for being in your presence. And I, I think that that should be a core virtue for anybody is like, I, I want that to be, you know, have, I want that the person on the other end of that phone call or the other end of that conversation, like, Oh, I'm glad I talked with this person today because I feel so much better about, uh, about things and for, feel so much better about having, uh, interacted with them. Um, and even before the, uh, one thing I want to want to touch on is even before the red pill stuff that, uh, you know, guys were getting a, a bad rap too, because, 
you know, the, you, you see the, the, the classic sitcom dad or, or dad in commercials, like they're just kind of like mumbling, you know, guffawing idiots. And, and that's, that's been around for a long time. And, and even, I, I even see it now in a lot of commercials, but the, the few times that I do watch regular television and commercial comes on, like, I won't even see a dad on the commercial. I'd be like, where's, where's the father figure in this family? Like, you know, what's, what are, what are we, what are we trying to do here? And so, so yeah, it's like, it's like burning the candles at both ends. Like there's, there's one end that's just, that's just burning away masculine, you know, the, uh, what a, a masculine man or a virtuous man should be at one end. And then there's the other end where it's like, you know, the, the guys who are trying to pump up and, and, and help through this, this, this red pill uh, talk, you know, they're burning it on the other end. And so there, there's a lot of men in the, I feel like in the world today, they're just kind of lost, uh, just, mm-hmm. just kind of getting lost in the shuffle because it's just like, well, where, where do I go? What do I do? Like this, these people say I'm worthless. This person says I'm never going to measure up. So what, what do I do from there? And, and I think cultivating those virtues and finding how you can be that, that virtuous man with the set of gifts that you're, you're given is, uh, yeah. is key and crucial to, to that. Um, so speaking of, uh, red pill, MGTOW, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of devil's advocate here. Uh, so I, I don't do this, don't do this much. Uh, my debating skills aren't, uh, aren't that honed, but, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to rattle off a couple things that, that some of these red pill guys say. And actually, Will, this this gentleman came up on on our podcast when you and I talked. Um, I first discovered um, a guy named Richard Cooper uh, was mm. he was my first pathway into uh, uh, the, the manosphere or, you know, the red pill movement. MGTOW. Um, Mine, um, too. Yeah. He's how I discovered the manosphere. OK, yeah, yeah. And um, um. Terrence Pop is another guy. He's kind of a vulgar ex uh, army guy in uh, in Michigan. Kind of, you know, um, he was another guy that I used to to follow and kind of view a lot of his videos and content for for a long time. But um, I want to want to put put this out there from um, you know a red pill kind of MGTOW point of view. So we we talk about. Um, I want to talk about marriage. That's kind of one of the first things that that comes to mind. Um, we all hear the statistics that almost half of marriages end in divorce in uh, in North America today, and there's some statistics out there that I've heard between seventy and eighty percent of marriages are initiated by, or not marriages, divorces are initiated by uh, by women. Uh, so that's one of the big. Uh, contentions of red pill thinking is that, you know, you don't need marriage. You don't, it's not the risk reward ratio for a man getting into marriage these days is, is not, uh, is not worth it. The the phrase that they like to use is that the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze uh, is favorites, favorite saying. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the, the, the popular one there because, And so, you know, you, you get, you get into a marriage and you wind up being divorced and, you know, the woman can, for pretty much arbitrary reasons, no reason at all can just take most of your assets, take your kids and just, yeah, through, through no fault divorce. And, and, um, so my question would be, you know, to, uh, to you guys, uh, and, and to Sharon, you know, why, why should a young man, um, just, why should a young man pursue pursue marriage or pursue that type of uh, 
of a relationship when when the risk to them and their uh, their their personal lives and assets uh, and their potentially their legacy when the risk to that is so high. I'll go. I'll go you one better. Okay. Why even? Why even be a man? Period. Right. Mm-hmm. No. Like, why not just? I mean, no, really. Like to be a to be a man. And I, I'm going to answer this though. To okay. be a man today, it's like you're going to be hated. You're going to be shamed. What if you're a white man? Right. Like mm-hmm. that's not a good, not a not a great time. At least as far as the public is concerned, to be a white man. Why not just? Why not just become trans? Why not be? Why not just go that way? You could. I mean, it's more advantageous, right? Like, I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm pretty sure I saw a headline on Telegram, which may not be true, that Wells Fargo is going to reevaluate home loans and they're going to they're going to deprioritize white people and prioritize prioritize minorities for home loans. Now, I don't know if that's headlines true. I didn't click on it, but, you know, so so, you know, don't go. I'm not going to get outraged about it, but you can see that, like, why do that at all? Well, I mean, in the secular world, there's absolutely no reason to. Which is why the only the only way that anyone should be considering marriage and the only way they should have ever considered marriage is in Christ. Like the secular, the secular world's it's going over the falls in a barrel, man. Mm -hmm. And so, and so that's the thing, like you can be in the red pill world and you can run the calculations. Yeah. They don't make sense. Right. Unless, unless you are under as, as a man and as women under spiritual submission to Christ and a pastor and a community that can support you in the inevitable challenges. But from, but in the secular world, yeah, man, for sure. Why would well, just spin plates, get laid, spin plates, earn cash, you know, get abs. Congratulations. You did it. Get the high score, bro. It's like, but for, you know, but that's the thing. That's, that is the true answer to the red pill, you know, is to say that, look, yeah, you're, you're, you're not wrong, but you're operating in a purely within a purely materialistic realm. It's empty and dead and heading in the wrong direction. There's those we're, some of us we're, we're going that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, Sharon, what, uh, what are your thoughts on, on that, on that statement or the, you know, what I, what I was saying earlier and even, uh, you know, just uh, bouncing off of what uh, Will was saying. Well, he's absolutely right. But um, as I usual, <laughs> I had to, um, no, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Part of the problem is that the red pills worldview is wrong, right? right. Like marriage yeah. is not a, uh, Marriage is not man's idea, it's God's. He created it, he instituted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he sets in order is good. And in fact, everything that else that he set in order in the material world, it's working fine. Uh, don't tell the climate change people, but it's working fine. The sun mm-hmm. rises and sets every day. The The ocean knows to stop at the shore. <laughs> the earth is circling. <laughs> These things are happening. Um, and so he set this in motion and it was his idea. And um, so that's first. And then the second thing is, yeah, marriage is risky, but men were made for hard things. Yeah. And when men, when men lead, women follow. I, I, don't, I don't know um, happy couples where the man isn't leading. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Aaron's crushing it. Mike, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Oh, man, I just I can't. I, I'm, go third? Come on. There's no way. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm out of this altogether. But no, you guys are absolutely correct. I mean, first of all, for a, a group of men that's talk about doing manly stuff and they're like, Oh man, I'm afraid of this risk. You're like, you're just a boy. Mm-hmm. That's just really yeah. ironic. Like you're so afraid of these things. Like I get, there's no fault divorce. You know, we're in a fallen world. We're in a fallen state. And, but the issue is that it's a secular, it's, it's viewed through a secular lens. 
And I just don't understand what the point is of getting married if you're not in submission to Christ anyways. What are these guys doing? Even like people that that are getting married without kids, what is that union even for? It's a union built on just like fornication. You just want to feel a little bit better about it, right? And, feelings, and so, feelings and hurt alarm. Questions. Feelings hurt alarm. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I need, I need a is. sound effect. And don't get here, me started right? on boyfriend girlfriend culture. Yeah, or like fiance culture. I hate that word. It makes me sick. I never called my wife my fiance. She was my fiance for like two months, not even. And then we got married. We did the thing. But what's the alternative? The alternative is what to 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 get old and die with a harem. Like that's pretty pathetic, man. Right. Yeah. So yes, there's there's a risk, but it it just goes to show you the failure the failure of men globally that we can't even lead our homes that this divorce statistic is like this because if we're headless if we have no submission to Christ there's no patriarchy that's tyranny but if we have no submission to Christ how can we expect a, a, a woman to be in submission to us i believe it was you will that were talking about this it's not about virtue or order or a union that's harmonious because of god's order god over man man over woman woman over child it's based off of power dynamics and this is why you see these divorces that are rampant. And of course, women have a part to play in this as well. Tinder and hookup culture. And this just an inundation of just an endless stream of male validation. But again, I, I think most of these burdens are on the, the backs of, of men, passive men and angry men. And you see a lot of both in the manosphere and in the red pill. Mm -hmm. yes. That's my opinion yeah. on that. Yes, that's a really that's a really great observation. I would say that the the primary characteristic of the men that I've seen within the manosphere who are content consumers, they're either angry or passive. And and the way that the manosphere, the economics of the manosphere is set up and the men's movement generally is that you're incentivized as a content creator to get a man within your funnel. Like you want him to buy, you want him on your email list. Then he buys a five dollar thing, then a ten dollar thing, then a twenty five dollar thing, and you work him up to the you know the the ten or fifteen thousand dollar thing. That's yeah. that's the funnel economics. That's right. And so, but the incentive of that is you want to get a man into your ecosystem, and you don't want to send him to someone else. Why would I send him to another guy to learn about masculinity? And why would he give that guy fifty dollars or a hundred dollars that he should be giving to me? So mm -hmm. it builds these silos that men get locked into. This is literally the economics of the thing. And, and it builds these cults of personality as well. And so what you get is you get these very passive men or these very angry men that gravitate towards whatever archetype most resonates with them, which may not be the best one for them. It could be yeah. the sexiest one. Andrew Tate is a great example. He's not the only example, but he's just the biggest one. And so yeah. guys gravitate towards this archetype. And like, how many men does he take from being passive to being truly active versus how many men does he do? And not just him, many other guys, does he take from passive to angry? And how many angry men does he dial back, dial back like, bro, calm down, you can be a man and let's work through the things that, how many men does he start angry that may turn out not angry? None, none. They go from passive to angry and make the yeah. problem even worse. Well, that sounds like objective, objectification to me. It is. So, you know, it's the same. And that makes sense because the, those men are also objectifying women. So why wouldn't they objectify men? And themselves. Yeah. And it's idolatry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's idolatrous at, at its mm -hmm. core. And all you, basically these guys create are mini Richard Coopers and mini Andrew Tate's. Even Andrew Tate's brother couldn't escape 
his being basically like the weaker, lighter version of Andrew Tate. That's all. That's all he is. Yeah, he could even cultivate his own personality. I can't even listen to that guy talk. At least Andrew Tate's entertaining, <laughs> right? Yeah, and right. So this is the problem with the red pills. Like it's just a bunch of caricatures that are essentially just different variants of the same version of of, of masculinity, where completely unlike Christ-like masculinity, which can you can cultivate your own manhood based off of your God-given gifts, and that is the fundamental difference. Is that you know when I was the red pill guy, I I you know I you know prescribed to a lot of what Tate had to say because I guess me and him are a kind of similar in personality and sort of the way that we look, we fit the same archetype. So naturally I went there. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends went to Richard Cooper or this guy over here. None of it was unique. We just would parrot what they would say. Yeah. Yeah. Lar- LARPers following LARPers. It's just right? like, exactly. It's like dress up manhood. This is grown up boys. Yeah. I mean, it's literally what it is. And that was that was the manosphere like there. If you could look back a couple of years at the 21 convention, you can look at all the speakers and you can see that each speaker embodies a different, you know, archetype. And it's like, well, is that guy really that when the cameras turn off? Is he really the character that he's playing? Right. And, and, and how much fruit is shown on the tree? And the difference between men who do that, who are in submission to Christ and men who don't, is that if you're a man with all these virtues and, and all these gifts. Now, Andrew Tate is a very gifted man. You know, it, you have yes. to be gifted to yeah. rise to that level. That's without a doubt. But all of his gifts are self-serving, right? And he, again, I, I, he's just an, an example. There are many examples. His gifts serve himself. And I think many guys in his position, well, I'm serving humanity. It's like, well, serving humanity sure does look a lot like serving yourself. Kind of funny how that works out. Like, are you willing to serve humanity and not make a lot of money? And I could apply that same criticism to lots of guys held up as masculine in the, in the public sphere, right? Versus serving Christ, where you, you give all the glory to God. It ain't me. It ain't me. There's this guy standing behind me. There's this guy in my heart, right? Driving mm-hmm. me forward. It ain't me. That's a very different, that's a very different posture. And, um, and, but it becomes putting your gifts into service to something greater than yourself, which I think is what so many men want, but it requires a degree of, um, humility, yes. which is one of the yeah. virtues that is not embodied in the red pill world. Yeah. And Will, to just to piggyback off of that too, is that, sorry, Sharon. Go no, that's, I was just saying that those are the things that women are looking for yeah. and the men, the red pill men don't know that. Absolutely. And, you know, to this, I mean, look at this space that we're in, right? Will, John. Let's just name drop everybody. Brandon, everybody. Kurt, Jonathan Rios, Ryan King, yeah. Nolan. We yeah, all have Nolan. similar messaging. Yeah. And some of us are similar archetypes, but then we're all unique. God has given us all a different voice. And this is why, you know, that this 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 sphere has proliferated the way that it has and so quickly. And on the feminine side, Sharon, you, Annalise, you know, Martine, um, what's her name? Bernadine. Yeah, absolutely. Issa Ryan, Issa Ryan, I can't. I don't, Issa I can't, Ryan, yeah. Issa Ryan, mm-hmm. you know, you guys are all feminine women, but all bring a sort of a unique angle to it, right? And that's because it's downstream from that Christ-like identity. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how how real and filled out and complete that people become. Like you don't lose yourself. You don't become a, a robot. You know, like like so many of the so many of the pop culture caricatures. You don't lose your identity. You get it back perfected, right? Yes. You just have yeah. to. You just have to, to talk about who owns it. It's like yeah. it's a pretty small price to pay versus all the people who are faking their way through it. Mm-hmm. You become yeah. more yourself. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll I'll just share a little bit about my 
red pill journey. I, you know, I, Mike, you mentioned, uh, you know, Richard Cooper, he was very similar archetype to, to what I gravitated towards. Cause he was, uh, my first exposure to his content. He was talking a lot about him, his divorce. And it's interesting. You mentioned just kind of idolatry and, and worship of the self. He actually has a, a cast of his torso in the background of some of his videos in his office. Cause he, he has a story about how he was burned as a child and how he's overcome that. And it's just like a reminder of, of his torso and how he's accomplished that. And so, and then um, I gravitated towards Terrence pop because of, of his humor um, as, as much as I'm kind of a little bit ashamed to say it. I, I do have, have a very similar sense of humor to what, uh, what he has and, and uh, kind of sarcastic and, not as dark anymore, but at the time that I was kind of exposed to it, I was a little bit, uh, had a little bit of a darker sense of humor. Um, so you're right. It's just some of these archetypes that can, can really draw these in. And will, what you were saying is like, they'll take men from being passive to angry or even more angry than, than they are. And whereas, you know, the, the names we were just dropping, you know, guys like guys like Brendan, guys like, you know, like you will and, and Ryan King and Jonathan Rios, they take men from that angry state or that passive state and um, point them in the direction to make them whole and to, to find their true, their true identities. And so that's, I mean, that's, we're just, we're, we're opposites, uh, you know, we're just on the complete opposite spectrum of, of where, where the red pill is at. Um, I want to switch over to one thing I do have uh, in my notes here that I want to talk about. Um, Mike, you and I talked about it a little bit when uh, we had our discussion, we called it kind of bubblegum Christianity. So I want to shine a little bit of light about how has the church failed in this arena? Uh, So Mike, since you went uh, third on the last one, we'll give you the lead off spot here and, and uh, we'll let you pick it up from there since uh, it's something that we talked about a lot. Well, the, the, the example of, of a pastor that comes to mind is, is, I don't know if you guys have heard of Vadi Bakum, um, super bold man. He's incredible. incredible. The, the problem with Christianity now is that we're not calling out heresy the way that we, we should. And it can be done in a loving way, you know, in, in, in a, a way that's angry, but righteous. That's a very important distinction. Anger is sin, but righteous anger comes from God. That doesn't mean you're yelling and you're screaming. That just means you're, you're standing up for what the gospel says. You're just saying, Hey, I'm referring back to this book. These are not in alignment. You're you're using this completely out of context, right? And so this is the problem with the churches that a lot of the churches they 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 don't want to lose their tithe. They mm-hmm. want to grow. They're yeah. financial institutions. This is why I love my church. That I go to here, shout out Christ City in Edmonton. They keep it. I know Pastor Mark is in reverence, complete reverence of God's and submission to God. So when he speaks about the Bible, he's not putting his own spin on it. He's speaking from the text itself. And that's incredibly important. And that so many, um, you know, people misinterpret and will yet a brilliant post on this is turn the other cheek. People don't understand what that means. Yeah. That doesn't imply weakness. Right. Restraint. It's it's exactly it. It's restraint. What I see is a lot of Christians pussyfooting around these important topics like same-sex marriage and, 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 and transgenderism and abortion and all these things because they don't want to offend. We've been effectively jammed and indoctrinated to think that we're bigots because we hate the sin, not the sinner. People can call me a homophobe. I'm not a homophobe at all. I, I dislike adulterers and fornicators and drunkards just the same. There's no gradation of sin when it comes to that. I think... 
the only gradation of sin is those of us that have the revelation of Christ. This is why these people, these false preachers, are going to be judged harsher than the people, quote unquote, of the modern Sodom and Gomorrah, because they know better. They're just turning a blind eye. It's no different than the person that wants to, you know, okay, I'll I'll take care of all this sin, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep that sin. That's been me with, with alcohol for so many years. It's like, I'm going to take care of all these things, but I'm just going to tap dance around this particular thing. Mm -hmm. There's no more conviction left in the church. And this is why I speak so strongly about it. This is why, even though I think he's, he's, he's harsh and heavy handed Dale Partridge, that's a bold man of faith, man. Even though I don't agree with everything that he says, what I can agree with is that the strengthening his conviction is like we need more men like that leading the charge in the church. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You mentioned that uh, church is being such a, a business entity now, and I'm I'm in uh, the Nashville area, which is the the buckle of the Bible Belt. So um sometimes when i drive around uh larger towns and cities in the south especially sometimes in nashville if i'm not familiar with you know the the development of the area i sometimes i'll play a little game with myself i'll be like is this a church or is this a school because some they're just you know like is this is this a church or is this a new elementary school that's been built and then and i'll you know wait till i turn around the corner and find the marquee you know so it's like the, the, the buildings are that size i mean there's there's a church just about 14 miles up the road from me. It literally has eight to 10,000 people that are on the rolls there at that church. And so you want to talk about tithes. And I live in an affluent area of, of Nashville in, in Williamson County. I mean, there's millions and millions of dollars coming in through the tithe. And if they say something that, you know, rocks the boat or causes, causes a split, you know, there's so it's, it, you're exa- exactly right. I mean, there, the the church i feel like especially in the early church and and you know correct me if 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 i'm wrong on this but the the early church was just like little they were almost kind of like i don't want to compare compare to it they were just like little cells or like little resistance cells of just handfuls of people they weren't these house churches yeah yeah they were they were they were house churches they were they were smaller they were smaller smaller buildings with you know smaller membership and and sometimes I, I was in uh, Kansas over the uh, the Christmas holidays and and uh, went to uh, the church that my brother-in-law uh, goes to. And uh, it was just really refreshing to walk into a church building that was like the size of my apartment. You know, it's just like and, and there was probably only about a dozen people there for Christmas Eve service. But it was just I, I, I felt a little bit more closer to God in, in that setting than than I have sometimes in, in some of these mega churches. But um uh, hey, Sharon, I'll, I'll I'll pass it over to you here. I know you're a you're a very bold woman of faith, and and uh, how are how do you see that that the church has kind of failed in in this area, and, and um, you know, what are what are some of the things in in this arena that uh, you think the church can maybe do better or should yeah. do better? Yeah, I think I think the biggest problem is that churches are really feminine, and mm, yeah. the leaders of the churches, if they are men, they're effeminate. Um, but a lot of times there's a lot of women leaders of the church and it's just not God's design, not his plan. He chose 12 men. He didn't choose six women and six men. Um, that doesn't mean that women weren't following him and that women didn't, uh, like there was, it was a woman who discovered that Jesus had risen. Right. Um, so it doesn't mean that Jesus and God himself, that he doesn't, uh, value women but it's just not the order that God set. And frankly, it's ugly. <laughs> when women are leading, the church is chaos. 
and so are businesses and everything else. I just, and I don't care if that's unkind. It's true. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and so feelings hurt, feelings hurt. Yes. Just gonna say. <laughs> it's just so bad. You know, it's funny is I was just thinking about this the other day about how one of my courses, when I got my master's, I had, I got a master's in business. And one of the courses was about like uh, leadership. Cause that was the degree that I was getting. And there was a whole chapter on women led businesses and it was just like four case studies and all of them were a hot mess. <laughs> like all of them, there wasn't wow. one that wasn't yeah. a hot mess. And I emailed my teacher and I'm like, so what is this about women supposed to be in business? Like the whole chapter says we suck. Um, and he was like, yeah, well, you know, we're supposed to be understanding of women and this is inclusive. I'm like, sir, the book you gave us to read says we suck. Um, so, but I, I think that the problem is effeminacy. It's a real problem. Um, the, you know, there's a lot of talk in our space sometimes about like feminine chaos and it's a real thing. <laughs> um, and we need, we need masculinity. And I know I'm really blessed to go to a great church. I know Will is too. And it's really masculine and our pastor's a literal beast. Um, and uh, there's a lot of men in our church. And I think that is a good tell. I went to churches growing up where there was more women than men usually. And that's not a criticism of the women uh, or the men. It's it's a criticism of the structure and the church polity and the 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 way that the pastor leads. Um, because I feel safe at our church because I know that if something were to go down, like we hear stories of like shootings in churches and stuff, we'd all be fine because we just got so many men. It would be totally fine. Um, but I'm not just talking about physical safety. I'm talking about like spiritual safety and covering. Um, there's, there's something uh, that men provide safety, not just physically. I'm, I'm not just speaking physical. I'm, I'm speaking spiritually and emotionally. There's something that men provide and our churches are missing it because our culture is missing it. And our church has begun to look like our culture has begun, is looking, has mm -hmm. been looking and our culture, everything's effeminate. We got to all get along. We got to um, like, it's all the qualities of typical femininity, like agreeableness and, um, and warmth and nurturing. Um, but that's not all that's needed. I mean, that's only half of the story. The other half is boundaries and order and structure and frame and um, and even sometimes the sword. Yeah. Yes. That's what's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the some of these churches, church boards, I, I feel like need to uh, do a study on the, the book of Revelation and just see how how Jesus is going to come back. And even just some of these damning statements that he makes against the churches that are allegedly supposed to be following him in, in that book. And, and I you know, the, the vision that, that they, they have in the book of revelations is that he's going to return on a steed of war, uh, robe dipped in blood. Like mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's, you know, to part, pardon my French, but that's the epitome of, you know, fuck around and find out. So, you know, <laughs> that's, um, it's so, but, but yeah, you're right. We don't, we don't have that attitude at the church. We don't have that attitude in the, in the boardroom anymore. And, and it's just, it's just kind of chosen the, in the, in the culture here. Um, Will, I'll give you the um, uh, last word on, on this topic here, since uh, uh, Mike and Sharon have uh, interjected. Um, there's plenty of feelings left to hurt. So the, uh, Oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt all of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's one to me, there's one name swimming around this entire topic of conversation. And, and that's the great pastor, Doug Wilson, 
Now, Pastor Doug Wilson, um, I discovered him about a year ago. I was uh, visiting a friend for New Year's, got sick, and so I was laid up in bed for a while. And so I was basically just watching Jeff Durbin and James White sermons all day while I was lying in bed recovering. And then YouTube algorithms suggested me Doug Wilson. And I started listening to some of what he said. And then I, rem- I noticed that he started talking about Canon Press. It's like, Canon, that sounds familiar. And then I realized that Canon Press is what uh, the, the imprint that put out It's Good to Be a Man by Michael Foster. Michael Foster, as I spoke with him at a 21 convention one year, and he directed me to Apologia. So I put all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And so Doug Wilson has been very outspoken um, and, and, and uh, on a number of these topics. And, and I think the thing that's most interesting to me is that I encountered him through his own words and his own writings. I must have listened to hours of his blog and May blog where he reads them on YouTube, essentially. Mm, yeah. And I've read several of his books. Father Hunger is a great one. Um, there's one about future men, which is about boyhood. Um, I've got Get the Girl back there. I've got Rules for Reformers on my phone, Gash Musay uh, uh, on my Kindle, got Gash Musay. I've got, I've got tons of his books. I've consumed tons of his content and Canon Press's content. However, his reputation out there in the larger evangelical world, let's say, is that the dude is like radioactive nuclear fire. People hate him. They hate him. Like the very mention of his name, uh, the very mention of his name makes women go, <laughs> right? Now, why? Why? Because Doug Wilson, of all the evangelical pastors that I know of, has been the most outspoken, and not just outspoken, but put it into practice on traditional sex roles, not traditional gender roles. There are no genders. There are two sexes. sexes. So more. Sorry about sorry about your feelings. So um, no one on the phone, no one on the call, obviously. So he's very outspoken about biblical sex roles. And that I think that makes a lot of women who call themselves Christian, I think it makes them nuts. And that makes them nuts because they are in rebellion. And you're talking, you're talking about John. You're talking about uh, Revelation, and people need to read Revelation. People need to read Genesis. Your desire will be contrary to your husband, and he will rule over you. Instead, even churches, even churches in America, so many of them, and it's it's all different levels of badness have these inverted structures where the men might be in charge or at the pulpit, but it's the women running the show behind the scenes in the women's whisper network. And no one is willing to speak up on that. The, the, the older women are not discipling the younger women who are, even if they're good Christian girls going to a good Christian college, they're still thinking about their careers. They're still thinking about their, their flashy, you know, social media lifestyle. They're not thinking about settling down and getting married. Mm-hmm. And no one, yeah. is, no one is addressing this. And no one is courageous enough to address this. Feminism has traveled so far within the Christian church that the mere mention of a name of a man like Doug Wilson, who's a very kindly, grandfatherly gentleman, good-humored, he's hysterical, just because he talks about the unsayable thing, mm-hmm. women go, and they freak out. And, and it's like the church is really not ready to have that battle yet. And, and, and you know, part of, that, part of that is because the men within the church are weak, and they've abdicated, and they've yep. taken a backseat for so long. And look, I'm the new guy. I'm just showing up and I'm like, you know, like, guys, it's a mess in here. (laughs) Whoa, get mad at the new guy. So, uh, but it is. And and look, and part of that is because I came to Christ through the masculinity world, through my own 20 year journey through masculinity. So the most surprising thing for me was to discover that nothing in Christianity contradicted anything that I'd learned about masculinity quite, I, I expected, I thought it'd be the opposite. I was surprised that was not the case. And so I come into Christianity carrying, you know, these shelves full of books about masculinity that I've all read. And I'm like, 
shouldn't you guys know all this? It's in the book. It's mm. in your book. Yeah. <laughs> it's in these. And they're like, that's like, that, that will be when that conflict happens and it's happening slowly, mm-hmm. but when that conflict really happens, it's going to be very, very difficult. And I think the woke conflict between and within churches has been, um, has been uh, a, a, pro, uh, a prophet, a forerunner, foreshadowing, that's the word I'm looking for, yeah. for the greater confrontation of what happens when strong masculine men start showing up to church again and say, no, this is our church. When you yeah. see the demon of feminism really begin to rear its head, yeah. you will really see it and it's going to be bad and it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. You know what's I, funny is Doug is hated by so many women, but I, I haven't read all the books that Will has read by him, but I, I listened to his blog and Maybog for like a year and I cannot tell you how many times I'm sitting in my car and I listen to him talk and he talks about men and women a lot. Mm-hmm. And he understands women so well. <laughs> Um, so like he really I, does. I mean, he really does. Like he, I, I'm like I feel so seen right now. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't make, like yeah, he talks about the truth about women. I today I posted a tweet and it was like, <clears throat> reformed Christian pastors get women. They just do all the all the pastors that I like the best that understand like male female dynamics and can articulate what's going on in the woman's head mm-hmm. really well are all in that ilk. Like it was Michael Foster today. <laughs> Um, he's so so, great and he's so great he was talking about um poop testing and he said it's not negative he was like a woman does that of course she does that he said that's the same thing that you would do if you wanted to check a chair for its stability and you you tested it first yeah i was like oh my gosh um so i i just think that women all the screeching the you know all of it is uh most of it's based on not knowing like you said I well you said I learned of Doug through his own words mm-hmm. most people that hate Doug are telling you what they think he said somewhere but they haven't read it or listened to it yeah yeah it's like the best thing I listened to on YouTube it's the highlight of my day <laughs> you not listen to the guy your right. podcast was such a good voice too <laughs> oh thank you it was really good Awesome. Well, I've I've written that down. I'm gonna start uh, consuming some of, some of his content too. And and I I can kind of relate to to your journey, Will, into uh, into the church a, a little bit. It's kind of a, a microcosm of it because I I um um I came to Christianity through John Eldridge. I I never mm-hmm. had had read uh, you know. And and once I got into the church and even just started um you know work serving at a, a singles ministry at the church that I was going to at the time, I just kind of realized like oh like there's there's a problem with masculinity in, in the, in the church. And, and it, it even comes back to, well, you were mentioning Genesis. And this is one of my, one thing that I like to reference a lot too, is that uh, in, in the garden in, during the fall, um, when Eve eats the fruit from the serpent, the, the, the translation goes, or the, the scripture goes to, to my memory. Um, and she, she ate it and then she offered it to a, offered it to her husband who was there with her, or who was, you know, who, who was there with her. And, and the, the Hebrew word means he was literally standing there right there watching this whole exchange go down. Like he was like the, Adam was the epitome of, 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 um, of passive in that, uh, in, in that scenario. And that's, that's what men, so many men are, are battling in, in, in the church today. And even just me- masculinity in general, it's just that passivity of just like, we, we know, we know what's right. We know we want what we want to do. We know how we want to be virtuous, but we're just afraid to uh, to take that step uh, into it. And that's you know there's there's some 
stuff in my past that surrounds is surrounded by passivity and and been I've been thinking about that a lot here the, the last uh, last few days. But um, um, I, well, I do. Quick, can, I, can I say something about real? About, sure. One of the things about that scene, Adam standing there, but the power of that is that it doesn't say just it doesn't say why. Like, why was Adam just watching? You get to kind of imagine, but there's really no clue in the text. And it, all that it says is that Adam was letting Eve run the show. That's it. Why he was doing mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. He was letting Eve run the show. And then and then he bowed, he, he obeyed Eve, essentially, instead of mm-hmm. obeying God. God mm-hmm. said, don't eat the apple. Here's this enormous, beautiful garden that you can cultivate for eternity, be fruitful, multiply. Just don't do that one thing. That's yeah. it. That's that's the glory of God. It's like you can have all this, just don't do that one thing. And what does Eve do? Eve goes to do the one thing. Well, she was tempted by. By the way, there's a great video on YouTube about the the triple meaning of the word serpent in the original mm-hmm. Hebrew. Mm-hmm. About that, it wasn't like just a snake. Like the the way the word serpent, the way that actually the meanings of that word are actually layered. And so the the guy, I think it was by Michael Heiser, who wrote the book The Unseen Realm, which is very famous, and it's about how. You know, it's entirely possible to conceive of the serpent, that's not a snake in the grass kind of thing, as this glowing, undulating, hypnotic kind of thing, because mm, okay. you know, this, this light being was kind of implied in the nature of the word. So, but she goes to do the one thing, and then Adam is forced to make a choice. Do I listen to what Eve is saying, or do I listen to God? And that's the, that's the problem, is that Adam chose to listen to Eve other than God. The reasons why don't matter. It's yeah. that he made that choice, and many men are today, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Passive men bring ruin. Like Christ did the exact opposite. Not only was he not passive, but he actively participated in the life of humanity by becoming man. And then he actively carried the weight of all of our sin, not just on the cross, but he carried the cross. He bore all the suffering in himself and he went to it. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross, despising the shame. That endured word is like endurance. That's an active process. He didn't, he wasn't passive at all. And he went to, like, he could have walked away. He could have got down. Even when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he's like, Lord, this, this is going to be bad. Like, I don't want to do this, but your will, not my will be done. And then he left the garden and went to where he knew those soldiers would pick him up. So like every step of the way he was active, he was that's why the Bible calls him the second Adam. And it was mm-hmm. because he did the opposite of what Adam did. And he obeyed God at every turn, even when it meant his suffering, unimaginable suffering, that he was not recognizable. All those pretty pictures of crucifixes, he didn't look like that. He was unrecognizable. He had no skin, all his bones. He, The Bible says, one, I think it's in Psalm 22, I can tell all my bones. Yeah, yeah. That Psalm means that the, when they whipped him, they took his skin off. And you could see his bones and his sinews and his muscles and his veins. Yeah. yeah Nothing Psalm, passive about that. Yeah. Psalm 22 we, we, is a... We've forgotten the fact that we're supposed to be narrow path walkers. We've completely, completely forgotten that. And that passive men bring ruin across all areas of life and all areas. And look at COVID. Yeah. Just look at COVID. So, like so many men who I thought I respected got this thing they didn't believe in because so they could go to the restaurant and, and have a beer. Like this is just such an example of just this passivity that's just completely antithetical to Christ and everything you're saying, Sharon. And we're now seeing the fallout of that. This is why divorce is so rampant. This is why transgenderism and same-sex marriage, all this stuff has gotten so far. It's a slippery slope. And once Pandora's box is open, you just got to empty it out. Yeah. Yeah. 
And yeah. we're the radicals for saying stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah right, right, yeah. For wanting women and children to be safe and loved and protected and cherished and for wanting men to be who they were born to be. Oh, so horrible. Yeah, yeah. Because it's hard to do, that's why. Yeah. It's hard to like, <laughs> this This sounds so stupid because men went to war. It's hard to put your phone down and not look at booties on Instagram. I'm like, come on, man. This is this is how bad, this is how bad it's gone. Right. You yeah. know, guys got these little, these impulses from their peepees and they can't stop themselves from touching it. Like, dude, come on. How far, how far the muddy have fallen, you know? Can we, can we talk about that for a second? Like, yeah. Cause, cause I think this is, I think this is really important. Like it, it, we're designed, made, you know, with this super powerful sex drive. I mean, I think it's, I think it's the, the, the core of us, like the nuclear reactor of our being. It's a great, it's a great blessing. And that sex drive, like, what are we telling, what are we telling young, young boys, particularly now it's like, well, you know, you should play around a lot in your twenties and then start settling down maybe in your, when you're 30 and get married when you're 35 or 40 or something like that. So you have this, so that the age when a man would otherwise be getting married, I mean, let's just say, let's just adjust for inflation and say like 22, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> Cause yeah. ultimately it used to be teens, like teenagers would get married. I don't know that teenagers should be getting, it's probably illegal now, but like 18 <laughs> plus, right? So like 18, to, I still think men are mostly useless between the ages of 18 to 21 and they need to be tightly shepherded by elder men, but that's another conversation. So we're, we have these young guys, you know, and by young, I mean like, you know, 22 to 35 essentially, right. Who like are playing around and messing around. And it's like, that vital sex drive that propels men forward into life is still active at right and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be expended in the production of children with a wife and i think the pitch that the that that i i hear the christian church making which is still you know get married later it's like well what are we going to do with this whole sex drive it's like well sorry i guess you're just going to have to deal with it yeah it's like that's insane all because well, I think the church doesn't want to say like kids should be getting married young. It's too uncomfortable to say that. Yeah. And and if they're not willing to support people in that, that's another conversation. Yeah. But go ahead. Well, and that's and that's another way that the, uh, another part of that candle that's burning on both ends about how young men you know have have that poor image of themselves and by the messages that's being bombarded. So you've got secular culture telling you that you're you're worthless and that you're just a you know you're just a, a guffawing dumb. You're you're the equivalent of, of Al Bundy. Al Bundy. You've got red pill guys that saying if you're not six foot two, don't have a six pack, don't have Maserati or, or sports car, or whatever. You know you're you're not fulfilling your masculine identity. And then you've got the church telling you like, oh well, get married later. But in the meantime. Uh, while you're, you know, while this fire is burning inside you in your in your your early twenties and and even in your thirties, you know, you're 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 a sinner and 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 you're 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 less than because you've got this this burning sex drive and you don't know what to do with it. Oh, you've got a pornography problem. Sorry, you know, mm -hmm. like what what's you know, it's it's just another third way of uh, third part of bombardment that that some of the and I, I get a little passionate about it too because I, I was I was in that uh that frame of mind for a long time in in my 20s just because it was just like and it wasn't because i didn't want to get married it's just I, I hadn't found the right person yet but at the same time it's just like i've got this burning sex drive and i have no idea what to do with it and it's just been been such a, a taboo subject for for the, you know, the church to kind of come alongside men and just you know to to address i mean it, it's like what 
what are, what are we gonna, what are we going to do here? And well, well, you know why? You know why it won't address it? It's real simple. It's real simple. It won't address the question because men and women should be getting married much earlier than they are. Yes. But they will never. The church will never say that because the notion of women getting married early, like in their early twenties, is antithetical to what? Feminism. Feminism. Yeah. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell a woman what to do. So we're gonna we're gonna afraid to say the thing, so everything's gonna fall apart, right? Because we can't dare speak the truths that were the ways that humans lived for thousands of years until like I don't know eighty years ago, a hundred years ago, right? And so it's like it's afraid of even whispering that for afraid of 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 offending, you know, the twelfth commandment: "Thou shalt not question the Almighty Woman," right? Told yeah. you, I'm going for all the feelings this year. Yeah. Can't forget yeah. the 11th commandment. Thou shalt be nice. Thou shalt be nice. The 13th commandment. Thou shalt not judge. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. one. Yeah. You know the Bible says not to judge. Women don't help. Because like, no. one, it's not that women don't have a sex drive. We just don't have it. Like, it's not as, I guess, from what I hear from the men saying, it's like prevalent. You know, it's it's front of mind. Um, So it, that's not a woman's experience. That doesn't mean that she doesn't have one because she does. Um. But for women, a lot of times, sex is less about like need and more about intimacy. And uh, so I was one of those women who fell in that trap. That's how I ended up a single mom. I just, I needed masculinity in my life. And I thought that was how you get it, you know? Um, and so um, my daughter is a blessing, but this is not God's design for our life at all. And I feel the pain of that every day, every day. And I see it in my daughter every day. Um, but women are not helping. One, because I think they don't understand men and what their needs are um and two because culture tells them that they shouldn't care anyway yeah 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 exactly. it's like telling a man in his 20s just sow your wild oats it's become inverted because i would i agree sharon that a, a woman's sex drive isn't like that it's reactive and it, it's more intimate it's more about but with birth control and contraception mm, women yeah. are like men now oh, it's, yeah. it is yeah. it's so different and i saw it in big way during my red pill days which i wish i could just erase it's like it's so backwards and all these women that you meet with these nymphomaniac rampant sex drives are fundamentally dysfunctional yeah they're always they're just not to sound judgmental but they're the, the craziest most unstable women because it's just it's out of control and also too i think again this lies on the backs of men too because we've just been taught to manipulate them into sex we're just taught, okay, it's okay to be a fornicator for this period of time. Then the expectation is, oh yeah, you deserve that chase woman. How did <laughs> you deserve that chase woman after being such a, a degenerate? That virgin be waiting for you at the end of that rainbow. At the end of that, you know, all that brokenness that you left behind. It's okay, she'll still be waiting for you there. And so to to Will's point, I think this would all not be a thing. If, hey, interception wasn't there, abortion wasn't there, and we all got married in our early twenties or late teens. Because yeah. to tell an 18 to 20 something year old and now as a 30 year old man, you know, uh, uh, being able to um, save all of my sexual energy for my wife, all of it is easier. I have a, I have an idea of discipline. I have an idea of submission to Christ and, and that order. And it supersedes those those urges. But even then, even even then, I feel and this is something that Will and I spoke about. When that when let's say it's past a certain amount of time you can feel your sin nature start to grip at you that that lust that we have naturally now try telling a not 30 year old somewhat mature guy to contain it there's no way 
There's no way. It's a completely unrealistic expectation. And there's a reason that porn is free. And, you know, and, and they do, you don't need any age verification. But to go to yeah. a liquor store, you need to prove that you're a certain age. There's a reason for that. They want that sexual energy, that life-given seed to be directed in this area. Right. Yes. It's, a, yes. it's a complete system. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, yeah, it's just... Um... The, the the male sex drive the, the best way that i can can kind of put it um it's like even still being single it, it, it's um my eyes are drawn to the feminine figure like sharon would be for example like if your eyes were drawn to uh lightning bugs in the springtime in the summertime just i mean that's that's how easily my gaze can get drawn to it and again i'm in a fairly affluent area in, in, in Nashville that I'm blessed to to live here. And, and the gym that I go to, it's right on the other side of the tree line from my apartment. But when I go in there, it doesn't matter what time of the, the day I go in there. It's like, you know, there, there there's the, the feminine figures in there. I, I call it, I have a snarky comment for it. I call it the booty quotient. Like, you know, how, <laughs> you know, what's, what's the booty quotient today, you know, and yeah, just like, yeah. you know, how, how many women in, in their, tight exercise clothes clothing that looks like glorified underwear is are, are there today and it's like okay well this is one more thing that i've got to think about while i'm trying to focus on you know focus on my my routine and what i'm doing there and um sharon you had a little bit of a reaction there when i said said the the booty quotient so i just want to give you an opportunity to to answer that answer that there um uh, well you know there's been a little bit of talk on twitter about some very stupid young lady who uh -huh. uh, posted a video. I uh, will already knows I'm gonna get fired up. <laughs> a video. Uh, Let's hurt about... some feelings. Let's hurt some more feelings. Yeah. There's um, a few left. Yeah, <laughs> barely. Uh, no, but there. First of all, uh, the fact that women have been left to fend for themselves and they have no fathers to say, "Where the heck are the rest of your clothes?" Yeah. Um, because I've actually said that to friends. Like, I remember I have a thought of like a friend that came down the stairs. And she was a pastor's daughter. And I was like, where's the rest of your outfit? Go upstairs and put more clothes on. She was younger than me. So I could say that I was like a big sister. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, you know what I mean? Put more clothing on. I'm not taking you out like this. Um, but someone needs like a father should say that. Now I was a big sister and I'm from Brooklyn and I'm Puerto Rican. So, you know, I got away with it. But really that should have been her father saying, put more clothes on. Yes. Um, so that's first. Um, and the second is, I don't know how y'all do it. Cause like, I, I go to the gym and I feel uncomfortable seeing so much boob and butt. And I, I, I'm like, I feel really uncomfortable. Um, and I, I work hard. Like before I leave the house, if I'm going to the gym, I'm like, can my butt be seen? And I squat, can I, can my butt be seen if I squat? Because if I can, I change my shirt. Um, and why? Because the Bible tells me not to defraud anyone. And there's this stupid woman and she's in the gym and she's wearing underwear and she's doing hip thrusts and she's recording herself and she's angled herself in such a way that she can perfectly record this man who she didn't know was looking at her, but now she knows. And he looks at her and then he walks by her and then he offers to help her and she criticizes him and she recorded it. And she says, oh my gosh, people are always looking at me and it's so annoying and I don't like this attention at the gym. First of all, put more clothes on. Second of all, you're immature. And third, you have an OnlyFans, so I don't want to hear it exactly ding 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 but you're victim blaming sharon you can't victim blame come on yes, yes i can i don't i don't want to hear that and yes I yes can. we can uh, i will yeah you're not a you're not a victim well, not yeah a victim. yeah who's, 
who's yeah, who's right. the victim in that in that scenario? As the as, man who well, she mocked across the world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and where do you and where do you even get the notion? This is this is my new thing. Where do you even get the notion that victims have some sort of authority? You know yeah. where you get that? You know where you get that from? You get that notion from Christianity, and Christianity <laughs> says you should put some clothes on. Right. <laughs> so, right. And that's true. That's true. Like, where do you right. get the notion that that victims should be protected and should be shown justice? That idea comes entirely from Christianity. It doesn't come from Nietzscheanism, right? right? It doesn't come from yeah. that at all. It's this. Is, I, tw- I I posted about this tweet today. It's like Christianity is using its own principles against it is having its own principles used against itself the notion of objective right and wrong but the people who are using those principles don't believe in them so it's like oh this woman's being victimized oh so you're saying there's objective right and wrong now <laughs> yeah right so, so like yes well you know where that comes from right it's like it comes from christianity like oh well then no it's like oh, okay so then it's fine yeah, yeah. right so right. you can catch people on this their ideology cannibalizes itself that's just what it <laughs> yes. happens yes. and atheism yeah, that's exactly that's exactly it. Um, Sharon, to your point about how do guys put in the gym, and Will and John can attest to this as well. You look to the floor, floor of the and, ceiling. And yep, the floor to ceiling, and then when they walk by you, you're literally w- looking in the opposite direction. Yeah, that, that's that's what it takes. And you know what's funny? I talked to Will about this too. When you're actively not looking, they want to make you try to look. Like I, I was telling Will, I'm like, there's 17 machines. I'm on this one. And this person happens to just plant herself right there. It's like, you're, I feel bad for you. You know, I feel bad that you feel like you need this external yeah. means of empty validation. It's not doing anything for you. You're like a bucket with a hole in the bottom. Yes. Oh. You up a God, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. but for guys, we're just inundated with this stuff. Instagram is pornographic. The gym is pornographic in the summertime. You're like, what's the point of me even coming here? And this is why I made a right. post about this, that, you know, women like, dishonorable women make men lust period yeah mm. mm-hmm. boom feelings but lustful feelings. eyes also make yeah dude for sure but lustful eyes also make you a weak man mm. feelings Just straight yeah. up so true but i think it comes from like from the woman's perspective i think women are so starved for masculinity that they think that sexual validation for men is what that is yes it's right. not yeah. it's not and uh, I I remember Will said on a podcast, and maybe he said it to me, I don't remember, but he said, most men don't need therapy, they need masculinity. And mm-hmm. I was, when I went to Arizona last month, I hung out with Annalise and she asked me, what's the equivalent for women? And I said the same thing, we need masculinity. All mm-hmm. of us do. It's medicine. Yeah. yeah. And we need to stop simping for like these that. women too. Even, even so indirectly. You know, even indirectly. It's come to the point where some people at the gym, and I don't, I want to honor my wife in every single way possible. This is why I sat her down and I said, hey, listen, this is a few months ago. I got this issue with my eyes, but I'm taking care of it. All of this is for you. I'm a, I'm, I'm a sinful guy. And I just want to come clean with this stuff. There's women in the gym that I used to be friendly with in a very, like, just friendly way. Very, very just amicable. You know, mm-hmm. you see people at the gym. There's a lot of those women I don't even talk to because they come in with no clothes. I don't even, like, look in their direction anymore. I don't acknowledge their presence. And I know it's it's like, man, why are you being a dick? I'm not being a dick. I'm not being a dick. I just know where I'm aligned. I know I was misaligned before. I don't want anybody to think, and some people might think this is extreme. I don't want anybody yeah. to think that I'm giving them. I don't want them to think that I'm giving them attention that I shouldn't be. So I'm not going to go out of my way to say, hey, how are you? If you say, hey, I'll say, hey, back. But I'm not going to sit there and have a conversation with you. And it might seem be like gone, I'm harlot. Asshole, so be, it. <laughs> be gone, harlot. Be gone, thought. 
you know, maybe more men should do that. And then when the woman asks why, say, because you're not wearing enough clothing, so I can't talk to you. Yeah, exactly. That's Sorry, like, I don't talk. I don't. I don't talk to whores. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, no. that's one way to do it. That's a, that's, yeah. It goes to eleven. By the way, there's one easy way to fix all this, and this is my solution: is I go to a boxing gym, and that gym is like eighty percent dudes, and the women and the women there, like you know, it's like they're not always in awesome shape. Like they're fighting. They're you know they're they're working really hard at it. Yeah. So it's like it's really easy. Like people talk about this going to like I don't know, LA Fitness or whatever, and it's like I don't or Lifetime. I don't go to Lifetime fitness but those gyms are amazing mm -hmm. i go to a boxing gym with like secondhand weight gear and i bang on the bag and i don't have to worry about any of that so Dude, maybe something thought. to and I, I do actually mean that kind of seriously like something to consider is that yeah. you know if, if the mainstream because it sounds to me for to hear you guys talking about this that these mainstream gyms that there might be like some sort of push in women's magazines telling girls that they have to dress up in skimpy clothing and that's like the new trend if it's gotten worse which it sounds like it probably has that like if and now it's like actively distracting all the time and it didn't used to be that way that may be a trend and the only way to escape that trend may be to get into you know an environment that's actually more about the actual fitness and the doing of the thing than mm -hmm. just the than the working out training versus working out so that could be one solution for people who are listening who who have that available to them because it's interesting all... point well because I come from you know owning a gym and I would I would be there by myself when I would train so I would never or just with my clients and I, I would never have this thing and I'm thrust into this public gym situation I'm like whoa how do people deal with this stuff yeah. you know it's also funny too to also combat that that's a great idea well just get into these spaces where you're either alone or with other men or with women that look like men let's just say yeah. <laughs> or I noticed when I po started posting some of this content and some of these women from the gym would see it there's there's a different attitude towards me hmm. It's like, I'm, con I, I, I don't know if this is me overthinking it, but I'm like, this is convicting you in a way because you know what you're doing. Yeah. 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 So I think this message also just needs to be more common too. Yeah. 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 I, and it's funny. I, the gym that I go to now, like this, the, the whole reason that I started going there was because a good friend of mine, he, he reached out to me and he said, Hey, I'm having trouble with, with this. And he was oh, actually, wow. he was working out with, um, he he runs a a, a, a a program in the summer and, and he's got an intern that works with him uh, in the summer 22 year old blonde girl one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen and she, and she's not in any way shape or form like you know someone who showcases her body or anything on instagram i mean she's she's really really sweet young girl but at the same time you know that age and and that that fit you know that that figure uh, it, it was his wife was kind of questioning and convicting him on that. And then he, you know, yeah. she knew the kind of environment that he was in, in the, in that gym as well. And he's like, I just need some, some help and some accountability. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm there for you. And it's quite literally like on the other side of, on the other side of the building across from me in the apartment complex. And so it's like a five minute walk for me every morning. So, you know, I, I, I was able to step up and, and, and help him out with that. But um, so yeah, just, I think just finding, you know, relationships like that, if, if you can work out with another, another guy too, I mean, that's a, that's a really great one to, to, to do that. And even just, you know, um, do, do an, I, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again, just do an evaluation of your social media and who you're following and what you're looking at, uh, online. Um, it just, you know, it just, if it's, um, 
uh, Sharon, I, I apologize. It was one of, one of your friends. She actually, uh, I posted a, a question on her Instagram story a few, a few days ago about what are the red flags that you look at when you look at a, a woman's Instagram profile? I was like, well, first off, if she has an OnlyFans link, that's, that's a big, you know, big, big red so flag. you. That's a, uh yeah that's yeah a giant red flag there's no red or like that's the right. biggest reddest flag in china <laughs> that's right yeah yeah it's like well yeah yeah i always always go to her link tree like she's got a link tree post i was like okay well what's what's even money says that first link is going to be you know ex- exclusive content like yeah dm for inquiries about what yeah 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 advice i'm actually uh, you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna put an only fans link in my uh just gonna say only fans in my link tree and just link go. it off to somewhere like <laughs> chest sizes i'm like what are you doing yeah it has to be a video of you will going be gone harlot that's be gone, yeah. 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 i don't that's talk to whores <laughs> yeah. yeah that i don't i don't talk to whores oh, i think it's a great idea you can you take like a you take like a picture of your, your video of your of your feet and then like the camera pans up to your face and just be like, Gig, be gone. <laughs> you gone whore. Yeah, yeah. So you might this make some money God off the feet pics. You know, you never know. You never know. Oh like God, God put me at a God put me in a boxing gym spe- just specifically so I wouldn't be tempted to do that. God, God knew that I would like because yeah. I might actually do that and that they wouldn't find it as entertaining as I would. I wouldn't. I probably oh wouldn't actually do that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, what uh kind of let's let's switch uh some gears here for uh for a little bit so we'll do um um kind of a rapid fire format so you know we're talking about uh the year of hurt feelings and uh so um will um why don't you hurt some feelings i'll just turn it over to you and let's just you know, rattle off three things uh, that uh, three ways you want to hurt people's feelings <laughs> oh man this is this is going to be um well, you know, my hot takes yesterday were, were kind of about that. Like I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm a little fed up with the notion of, and this was particularly for men. So the year of hurt feelings, like, yeah, it's really easy. It's really easy to go at, um, to go at feminism. It's really easy to go at rebellious women. You know, it's really easy to go at the woke and culture and politics, like all those things like that's, that's fine. And that deserves its own. But I think that there was there were a lot of men that were getting away with being um, uh, virtue signaling through fitness and finances and all that w- without actually being virtuous and um, and and not actually developing their character. And um, after having encountered many of those men in the space, I was like, I'm 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 tired of it because because I think if you're a man and you're investing all your time and, and energy to getting rich and, and getting jacked and you're not cultivating your character, you're investing your time and energy in, um, in perishable products because, you know, God willing, you should be, you should live to the age of 70. And if you wait until you're age 65, like many women do to start cultivating your character, when all, when all the material stuff starts withering away as it does in God's design, you're going to be behind the curve. And so I really want to see men start developing developing their character and that involves integrity that involves accountability that involves honor that involves humility that involves keeping your word right and that involves aspiring to higher virtues and recognizing that you're not the end-all be-all of what it means to be a man and there's a lot of guys who posture who preen who pretend and look the space rewards it 
you know, you hold yourself up as this icon of masculinity. There's, and, and I don't think there's anything default wrong with that. But the thing is, is, is once you pierce the veil behind that, what you got going on? And I got real tired of navigating through the space and finding all these men that were really good at playing characters, really good at being caricatures, but not good at cultivating their character. And so for hurting feelings, like, yeah, men do hard things. No one cares, work harder. I'm going to challenge you morally. And if you've, and I, I deleted this hot take and I'm glad I did because it would have troubled me. But if you've ever said, no one cares, work harder to a man struggling in life, I will say no one cares, work harder to you struggling with morality. I'm sick of it. Yes. I'm sick of it. So like, honestly, like since we little swearing, fuck your feelings, be a better man. Cause you know, you know, and the door to redemption through Christ is right there. Is right there for all of us. And I'm not holding myself up as a perfect man. Far from it. I've been very confessional lately on a lot of my podcasts, and it's been a very bracing experience to do. But I think it's important that if I'm going to be talking about virtue and calling men to a higher standard of virtue, that I be upfront about the time that I the times that I've lived in vice. So it's like it's not me saying do it for me. It's like I'm saying it so men do it for each other and for the world because we need to call men to a higher standard for men, for women, for children, or for our world. So, you know, um, if you're, if, if you're, if you're struggling with anything I'm saying, sorry about your feelings. Yeah, there we go. All right. Mike hurt some feelings, dude. So will Mike drop, man, it's hard to follow up on that, but a couple of things, and I'm going to kind of, I'm going to flip this on his head a little bit, but first of all, the men that screech from the mountaintops, how bad women are, how bad life is, or the system stop being a bitch. They just stop being a big old bitch because that's what you are. That's what you are. Like You want to talk about, you know, you can't find a woman. You can't find a woman because you're pathetic and you're a weasel. So first of all, it's okay. It's okay to be pathetic. I was pathetic. And then I became not so pathetic. But then I became the other version of pathetic, which the other side of that is these red pill guys that shame other men. You guys have the same spirit. You guys are both bitches. Right. And this is not this is a, an entirely exclusive word to describe these these men. There's not a, a, a term that's derogatory towards women. You're a bitch. So stop doing that, because you're the reason why men also committing suicide in complete silence and feel like it's not good to come out and to share not vulnerable because vulnerability is something else. I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of that word, but to be humble enough to come out and say, I got these issues and I'm struggling. It's OK to struggle. But the men that are complaining. To them, I think this is where this this term actually applies. Like nobody cares. Like actually work on yourself and work a little bit harder. Maybe that's the one exception for that phrase. But also too, taking a step back, I made a re realization a couple of Fridays ago when I made that inconvenient truth post and I spoke to Will about this. Saying controversial things just for the sake of controversial things and just, it's not good. Because right. I'll tell you, I felt very convicted after that I made that post because there was my intuition. And when I prayed about it, I was like, man, don't don't post that. And I put it out there and it became, you know, one of my most viral posts, let's say. But I felt terrible about it. I felt awful about it. Let's normalize okay, righteous anger and calling stuff out, but calling stuff out with love. It doesn't always have to be handled with kid gloves. You can say it with conviction, but don't be an asshole because I felt like that that post was just let's see likes, let's see shares. And I got into a bunch of just back and forth with on topics. I didn't, I'm like, man, I'm not even like this. And I remember talking to Ryan King behind the scenes about this. I'm like, this, this didn't feel good, man. I can see why people don't make these posts. Will's hot takes is a perfect example of nuance or what he's saying is absolutely true, but it's not for the sake of just being controversial. 
you know and so yeah. this is me telling myself and other content creators whatever you want to call us out there it's like it's one thing to have a voice that's very bold but don't be a dick man because you make us just all look bad and i almost put i almost took this post down but i'm not i'm not going to i'm going to keep it up there the first two had the, i think the right spirit but that third one was just fanning the flame so that's that's my hurt feelings i'm going to hurt my own feelings there there you go there you go all right sharon hurt some uh, feelings no, that's a perfect segue because I was going to, I talked about this recently um, in my stories when Will started sharing the year of hurt feelings and other people were picking that up, you know, with a hashtag. And I, I realized that all of the good things that I've ever done and all the things that I'm most proud of myself for came off the back of hurt feelings for me. And mm -hmm. I think this is a woman thing, especially. So I'll speak to the women, like your feelings are not your God. Yeah. And not only that, but if you follow them, they will lead you to destruction. And they are powerful. Like maybe as powerful for for us as your sex drive is for you guys. Like they are mm -hmm. a driving force and they can like like it's it's like autopilot. And so I I think that for the year of hurt feelings for women, for me, it's like, yeah, hurt my feelings. Tell me when I'm wrong. You know, correct me. Tell me if I'm not wearing the right clothes. <laughs> Please. I wish somebody would come down the stairs and say, where's the rest of your outfit if I if I slip up? Like, I have a desire to be modest, but I'm human. And I'm a woman, and I uh, appreciate validation from men because I'm a woman. <laughs> this is normal. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, I'm more than a woman, more important. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ, and he calls me to be holy. Being holy is not impossible. He wouldn't ask me to do something that's impossible. He says, be ye holy as I am holy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. all of the virtues are wrapped up in holiness. All of them. And so my my take on hurt feelings is it starts with your own. So it's not, it's not virtuous for you, like Will said, to virtue signal, but not be actually virtuous. And there's a lot of women content out there. Like I don't follow a ton of women content creators in the femininity space because a lot of them are just telling men what to do, which is just more feminism and we don't need it. Um, and a lot of it is very, like it gets a lot of like standing ovations from women, please preach, you know, say it louder for the folks in the back, please sit down. Um, like talk to women about the things that are really going on, like in your own mind and in your own heart. Like, why did you post that picture? Yeah. Why, uh, why are you wearing those clothes? Why did you date that guy? Why did you send that particular DM? Those things. I mean, that's, we want to talk about hurt feelings. Your feelings should not rule you. And so if your feelings are hurt and it makes you like, <laughs> like Will was saying, then you have the problem. Deal with it. Deal with it. I had a problem. I, I thought that um, I was fine and that all of, all of the suffering that I was enduring, I thought it was everybody else's fault. Wrong. All the, all the pain and suffering, most of it was of my own making. And what wasn't, God can handle. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Can, well. I, can, I, tell a, can I tell a story off the back of that real quick? Yes, please do. So, um, and, and that, by, by the way, Mike and Sharon, that was absolutely brilliant. Both of those. Thank you so much for that. Um, so I, in 2020, before I started the Renaissance of Men, I did a... Um, 
I did a, a fiction writing course with a New York City fiction school. I thought I was going to be writing a book about my travels. So I was like, well, I should probably learn fiction because you can tell more truth with fiction than you, for fiction than you can with nonfiction. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so um, it was a group class where everyone submitted their work. And one of the women in the class, now I had been already studying masculinity for a while, um, and I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, if anything, or the things that I knew, but it was still like a part of my life and a part of my thinking. And one of the women in the class submitted this short story where she was talking about how um, how her husband was super narcissistic and was was picking on her in all these in all these different ways and 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 really making her life miserable. Not 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 physically violent, but like you know like narcissistic as in like a clinical kind of thing. You know, like not just like he was a narcissistic guy, but a clinical kind of thing. And I was reading this, and I was like. Well, the story picks up like, I don't know, several years into their marriage, a year or two, like they don't have kids, you know, obviously, just, you know, they live wherever and they're, he's some sort of successful, you know, person, obviously, they, it's clear from the story, they have a lot of money. And I'm reading this and I'm like thinking like, well, like, he was always like this, like, why, why did you marry him? And so, and the feedback, and the feedback for the, for which, you know, she, she submitted for group feedback actually wrote that i was like well you know i guess my question was if your husband was narcissistic like he didn't just suddenly become that way like he was that way when you were dating him it was probably attractive to you that a, nar a man narcissistic like that can generally be very successful and get many open doors and tables at restaurants in the city and and all that stuff like did you not did you not see the the red flags? Did people not warn you? Did your family members not warn you? Like what was what was going on there? Like why like why did you marry him? And because those reasons why could help could help explain and lend uh, reality to your story of escape. Meaning like she could, it's like a I was suggesting to her in language that I didn't know at the time. Like this could be what you're repenting from in essence. But that's not what I said because I didn't. I didn't really know that concept at the time. Mm -hmm. Well, so I said, you know, why did you marry him? And I got in so much trouble. Like the teacher was away on vacation and like the whole class freaked out. And the teacher came back from vacation and like they had to take it to the administration because oh, the administration had never heard of anything like that. They didn't know it. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do with me. But um, and they didn't kick me out of the class. I did sign up for another class under a fake name just to make sure I didn't bump into the same fellow <laughs> students again. But you know, to the point about the year of of hurt feelings, like it's necessary to ask questions like that. You know, it's like I'm such a victim. He's this narcissistic man. It's like, well, like you married him. How long did you spend dating him? You walked down the aisle with him. He, yeah. you said I do. Do you not have any part of this? you know, and, and you have to ask people these questions, but you have to ask it in the right way. But it's that's, that's part of hurting feelings is asking people the questions about their experience that will pierce that notion of, of victimhood, or superiority, or whatever. It's like, okay, you know, are you really who you say you are, Pierce? Like, oh, okay. No, you're not. Yeah. 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 Great. You hold women accountable, Will. How dare yes. You? How, da how dare I? Yes. I dare. Yeah. I dare. How dare you be a man? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, just, yeah. just, just wait. <laughs> just wait. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and hurt some feelings here. Um, oh yes, do it. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm ready. not sure I'm gonna be quite as articulate as, uh, as, as you all, but uh, 
you know, I, you're hurt feelings. I want to call people out there, man, woman, step up, step up, get off the sidelines. You know, what's right and wrong. If you're in this space, you know, what's right and wrong. You know, what needs to be drawn attention to, you know, what needs to be called out, step up, step into God, bring God into everything, in, into what you're doing into, and how you're stepping up and bring, bring more God and more, more of Christ into, into this world and into this conversation. It's Jason Whitlock made a post earlier this week about the, the whole feud between daily wire and, and Steven Crowder. And there's, he made a great point kind of coming, bringing up what daily wire was doing. None of there, there's very little of God showing up in what daily wire is doing. And they've got a lot of great documentaries and content out there, but it comes from a conservative, it comes from a conservative uh, spin and they're kind of the YouTube equivalent of Fox news. There's no, there's no God, there's no movement. There's no passion behind what they're doing. If they had guts, they would take all these great documentaries and they would remove them from the paywall and they would put them on YouTube and they would, they would declare like, this is what God's word says about these topics. Step up, get off the sideline, show bring bring god's word and 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 christ's love into into what you're doing and you know we 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 live in a clown world i mean if if you can't see some of these videos of of you know i'm, I'm going to kind of divert into into the secular there like we, we live in a, we live in a clown world if you can't look at some of these tiktoks about these people who think they're transgender or this this boy who's trying to rush a sorority in alabama like what why are we even trying to normalize this? The the viral videos of of the uh, you know the, the 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 man in it has a full blown blown beard, but he's got a wig on. Doctor Phil trying to argue for the you know for for the validity of, tra of transgenderism. Like what what are we doing here? Why th this is there? There's this just came to mind, but an old episode of Futurama from about twenty years ago. Bender the robot gets the oil in his in his system swapped out. It's testosterone oil, and he swaps swipes it out for for ester oil, so he can compete in the robot Olympics as a female robot. Oh How like this was twenty years ago, and this is funny, and this is absurd, and now that now you can get canceled and lose your job for this. It, like, dude, Ace Ace Ventura, man, remember the original Ace Ventura movie? Yeah, yes, yes. Like we 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 live in a clown world, and and it's it's time that we start start doing them, but more people step up and start doing this and calling calling a spade a spade. And if you, if you're not doing this, if you're not doing some type of active work to 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 bring to bring some of these common sense and some of these these biblical values back into the mainstream then then you know you're you're part of the problem but that's that's my attempt at uh, at hurting some feelings so two words there step up but um let's go around the panel one excellent more. well done thank you i can hear thank the you. preaching now yes. yes yeah yeah i yeah you know i sometimes you I get, well you know i, I I do it because it's my microphone, it's my laptop, <laughs> it's my Zoom account. And Amen. You know, to quote to quote the wedding singer, the great philosopher Adam Sandler and the wedding singer, I have the microphone, and so you are going to listen to everything I have to say. That's one of my I favorite know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But uh let's go around the 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 panel one more time here. Um just to tell you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your your platform and uh, where is the best place for people to find you online. Let's go ahead and uh, Mike, you're batting lead off. Where's the best place for people to find you? 
right now I'm just on Instagram. It's Mike Pantile. I've got some things that I'm toying around with, but that's where you can find all my content creation on this topic and uh, where I hurt a lot of people's feelings, but also uh, empower a lot of people at the same time. Hopefully more of that. So Mike yes. Pantile on Instagram. Amen. Amen. Very, very empowering. Great, great stuff, Mike. Uh, Sharon, where is the best place for people to find you? Uh, so I write on Instagram and on Twitter, and I have the same handle for both. Um, and that's Shastorra, and that's spelled S-H-A-S-T-O-R-R-A. And that's on both places, Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. Links in the description. Um, Will, where is the best place for people to find you and your work uh, with Renaissance of Men? We can find me lots of places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Ren of Men. I'm on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash at Ren of Men, renofmen.com. And if you want to find my podcast, the best way to do that is to go to uh, Linktree slash Ren of Men. And I have a 12-week men's mentorship that I'm very proud of. Uh, and you can learn more about that at renofmen.com slash mentorship. Awesome. Well, uh, Mike, Sharon, Will, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your, your busy evenings to uh, to join me today and to uh, discuss some of these things and to uh, not only hurt some feelings, but to uh, just get uh, get some more information and hopefully some encouragement out there. We'll have uh, links to all of your socials and platforms in the show notes. Uh, I am John Waltz. This is the Discovering Masculinity podcast, the uh, Virtue Pill panel in uh, continuing the year of hurt feelings. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and I will talk to you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>